Hello guys, welcome back to Ragnarsson Invest Podcast. Our today's guest is Hermione Taylor from Donation. Hermione, welcome to, to our studio. It's great to have you here. Thank you and hello. It's great to be here. Um, let's maybe before we jump into the, the topic of our conversation, which is uh, just a, a short teaser is a sustainable behavior of individuals and communities and how to create them, how to shape them. Maybe you can give us a short intro of uh, what the donation actually is doing. Sure. Um, so at donation, we believe in a future where humans and nature can thrive together. Uh, and, our, and our mission is to really bring communities together to, to galvanize their people, millions of people, to adopt these healthy and sustainable um, habits. Not just the habits though, aiming to cause a ripple effect of action and, and influence that come from that um, is, a, is a key part of what we're aiming to do. We work with, we've worked with hundreds of organizations from PwC globally to the NHS in the UK and lots of B Corps. Um, helping them to engage their employees in these individual actions. Maybe this question would sound uh, quite simple and probably also stupid, but why do you think it's important actually to to act on the level of individuals when it comes to sustainable behavior, influencing climate changes? Why it's important to to focus on individuals versus you know tackling the big uh, big problems? Great question. Um, I don't think there should be a versus in it. I think we need to tackle them all. Um, there are enough people in this world and we're smart people that we can tackle them all if we put our energies to the right places. I actually started this journey work doing a master's in environmental technology that was very much focused on policy. I was looking at international climate negotiations and all of that. And I had my, my first job in this space was for a big, corporate sustainability consultancy I, I thought I was going to be looking working on policy either at the business or the, the government level but actually what I learned through through all of that is the solutions to, to climate change to creating a sustainable planet exist but the main barrier to implementing them is people it's people either not understanding them not knowing about them not really believing in their need for them and so we need to tackle that human barrier in order to let the systems change happen um, and get get those decision makers understanding just the, what the potential of a sustainable future could be and buying into it and, and the need, the urgent need. Um, and, and that can be done through the behavior change uh, individual angle, I believe. So there's an important role. It's not the, it's not the silver bullet, but It would be really great to understand it a bit uh, in more depth. Um, maybe just to explain a bit what the product does and the, the core feature, the way I see it is helping individuals to make pledges. Uh, an example of a pledge would be I wouldn't be eating uh, eating meat. Um, not sure for how long time or if, if <laughs> forever, but uh, that's that's the idea behind it. And would you be able to tell us a bit more what helps your users to keep pledges that they make uh, initially and then how it changes over time. Of course, yeah. So you're, you're spot on, individual pledges, um, but made as part of a community. So that's the first step. Most of our users are making their pledge either to support a friend or as part of a workplace program, a community program. The main, work, the main community we work with is the community of employees, workplaces. 
Um, so you're kind of doing, you're taking your action alongside others. You can see others are also doing their bit. And that's the first step to helping people keep their commitment. When you're not acting alone and when you've committed publicly, um, and so your peers, your people you know and respect, and are going to hold, keep you to account, know what you said you'll do, um, that's, that's hugely powerful. So that's the first step. The second is all um, whatever commitment you make, you're choosing and personalizing. So we've got a big list of actions on the site. So actually over 60 available. Most organizations would narrow that down and go, okay, these 20 are the ones that are relevant to our, our people um, at the moment. And then they might do this. But anyway, um, it's up to the individual to pick one that resonates with them, that suits their lifestyle. And then to customize, so if, to customize it. So if you were pledging to eat less meat, it's not about saying, right, go fully vegetarian you could choose to go fully vegetarian if you want but there's a slight you know you can customize it to say oh, i'll go one day a week i'll, I'll go vegetarian or, or maybe um i'll half my meat intake you know you can you can pick how far you're willing to go which immediately people then feel like they're when people are invited to choose something to change rather than being instructed on what to change, it's a small shift, but it it really changes how receptive people are and how much, you know, if it's, they've got ownership of it, they're more likely to keep to it. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing is um, it's time bound. So we're not asking people to to make these changes forever. Uh, it'd be kind of pretty weird to to go up to someone and ask them to make a lifelong commitment on a on the get-go uh, we don't do that um we we ask people to try it so we every pledge is is a commitment to try the action over two months and two months um we picked at the beginning at the outset because there's a lot of research to show that it take well there's two bodies of research around behavior around habit formation one says you need to do something 21 times and another over 60 days um or 61 i think it was um we opted for for two months uh, for various reasons. It was a pragmatic period for us to, to go with, and it's and it's really worked. So people, they're asked to try something for two months. It's not too long to be too intimidating, um, but it is long enough to form a habit that that by the end of that time, we ask them to reflect on how they got on and whether they'll continue, and and also you know acknowledge what we ask them. Have they noticed any other benefits? And that process of kind of reflecting on oh have I noticed any benefits yeah I think I'm actually feeling healthier and I, you know what I've probably saved some money and and that can solidify the benefits of the actions that um that that then helps them to to form habits that really last I'm just curious are there any like uh, type of pledges that are the most popular or the the most uh, kept up uh, is there any trend that you see that people prefer to choose certain type of pledges and uh, which ones are the ones that are being kept even after the, those two months great questions the most popular pledge pretty much unbroken record through our through our decade plus long history has been to eat less meat um that has been the most popular i think there was a couple of years where it dipped to second place uh and in in its place clothes call which was to declutter your wardrobe and donate um donate unwanted clothes uh pips up the post and that you know that was at a time when fast fashion was really in the public spotlight um and then also actually 
fantastic on plastic, which is to reduce your plastic packaging. Uh, that's also a very popular one and was, you know, that's, uh, around 2018, 2019, that was a huge, huge public kind of outcry around that, and that became a very popular action. So those are, and then wasting less food is another one. Um, they're all ones that wasting less food, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. It saves you money, um, and, and it's a huge carbon saver. In terms of the ones that then are most successful, it's funny, I think, actually, I was looking at this earlier, um, some of the the most confirmed actions now I haven't done I haven't got the full statistical analysis in front of me so like they might be a smaller sample size that so might not be that accurate but uh, some of the really simple ones like light the way which is to switch to LED light bulbs um, huh. one of the most completed ones is put a lid on it it's so simple use saucepan lids when you're cooking and you don't need to use as much heat uh, and your cooking takes less time. Like so some of these ones that are just, there's really very little argument for not doing. Why, why, once you've done that for two months, why would you stop? You mentioned three different mechanisms. So the first one was not doing things in a vacuum. So in a sense of public accountability and also doing it, doing pledges with friends, which strengthens the effect of, of people keeping the, the pledges that they make. The second one was um, choosing what they like. I mean, there is a selection of things, but you need to really own your own decision. Otherwise, you won't, you won't be doing it very long. I didn't quite get the third one and the aspect of limiting the time frame when you're supposed to uh, keep, the, keep doing the behavior. Why do you limit it in, in such a specific way of 30 or 60 days, or 61 maybe? Well, it gives us, I think it's about asking people to try something out, it's less intimidating, you're more likely to get them to commit. And then the important thing is asking them to come back to confirm how they got on, because that allows us to measure the impact. If we, if we didn't do that and we just said, right, come back in a year and tell us how you did, they would probably have forgotten. You see, with New Year's resolutions, as this example, like how many people succeed on keeping their New Year's resolution for a whole year? And actually, I think it's at the beginning of February when most people have failed because they realize, oh, I'm a few weeks in and I'm already struggling. I'm never going to get to December. So why bother carrying on? Whereas if actually they only had to get another three weeks, if they if they were already halfway there, then maybe they'll go, OK, the end's in sight. I can carry on. And by the time they've got there, suddenly, they're like, oh, this isn't actually that hard. I might continue. You know, it's about making it a, a more manageable target that people people can see they're, they're not intimidated by. It's, it's, it's really what it comes down to. Um, and, and we see around 45-ish percent of our users do come back after two months to confirm. We'd love that to be higher. And I think a lot of that is simply about, you know, at the moment it's only email reminders to ask people to come back. And if maybe we had added an app and text, you know, there's, there's some simple um, UX questions around that. Even when the behavior is changed, they might not come back and report. Um, but yeah, 45-ish percent of our users come back, confirm how they got on after two months. Whereas when you look at New Year's resolutions, I can't remember what the stats are. It's like, <laughs> I don't know if it even goes into double figures. <laughs> 
So the the impact from the impact perspective, the ultimate goal is to create a habit uh, for the users, so they keep doing those, uh, keep they keep um, the sustainable behavior. But I can imagine that okay, it's one thing to help them choose the pledge and then put the time limit, but there are probably also other things you can do using your product or work, how your product is helping users. You know, on the way there, and what would that be from your expertise, from your experience? What works the best? Well, um, okay, so there's a few things in that I want to come back on. Firstly, in terms of helping them to keep that and form that habit, there's a few things we do. I think providing information about how to do things is super important. A lot of people, they, do, you know, if they're not already doing these actions, they need some advice on to how to make it easy. Uh, it, using the the going vegetarian or eating vegetarian suggestion right where send me some good recipes um we've got lists of um directories of vegetarian restaurants although now that's to be honest all restaurants have, have, a, have good veggie options these days um but providing the advice and the resources um that can help people to do their actions is one thing And we provide that directly to the users through email reminders, through information on the site. But coming back to the community element, actually one of the things that's most powerful is what happens offline. Uh, and I know it's very un uncool of me as a tech <laughs> business owner <laughs> to say, but it's what happens offline that's so important. Um, and and so it's the it's the conversations that start around the workplace. The, maybe the events they run, you know, if they might see oh, all these people have pledged to cycle to work, let's run a, let's get a cycle repair guy in and we can have a cycle workshop, bike workshop, or um, the opportunities that it creates within the communities to, to really solidify those actions and bring people together. Um, it's powerful. And you said that our ultimate goal is to kind of form habits that stick and that, that is... Although actually over the last few years, I think we've become much clearer. That isn't our ultimate goal. Okay, so what <laughs> is it, then? Well, we want, if it's not just about the habits, about, it's about getting people on a journey that to me, these behaviors are the first steps on their sustainability journey. And so if someone's pledging to cycle to work, great, they can form that habit and that can stick, but then how can they become an advocate for that action? How can they really help to drive change more broadly within their community, encourage others to cycle, um, encourage their workplace to offer better cycle facilities, encourage their council to, to support cycling infrastructure better. Um, and suddenly these people become activists about the issues that they're, we know they're, they're already interested in. Um, and that's something that over the next few years we're aiming to really focus on. Ultimately, coming back to your first question about individual behavior change individual behavior change is important but it's not enough um it's it's a great gateway to get people hooked and people love to think about themselves and their actions and it's a, it's a way to get people interested. but we then want to we need if we're going to check tackle the monumental challenge of climate change um within the time frame that we need to People need to be doing more than that. Um, so there is two types of impact. So the first one is the direct impact that your users uh, have when they, for instance, eat less meat. And then you can calculate, okay, eating less meat means uh, reducing emissions by X. 
But at the same time, there is this more indirect impact, more of a social one, when my behavior influences the behavior of others because I could be set out as an example and I can be an activist and help my communities to, to change their behaviors by just setting an example and and being active in, in talking about those issues. Yeah, and you can then go on. We've seen, anecdotally, we've got lots of examples where clients have, you know, after a program where there's been all of this um, energy and momentum around sustainability and everyone's talking about it, working groups have formed where they've then set up carbon reduction working groups or actually a load of, a load of in, a, in a PR firm, they decided that they really ought to be helping their customers with this kind of stuff. And so they spun up a whole new service line around people and purpose um, where at another client, over 2000 employees went on and did some carbon um, a climate academy training to kind of upskill them in their jobs around climate skills to help the company, the client deliver on net zero. You know, there's, there's the stuff around the actions, but it's, it's also that upskilling of the workforce that we're hoping to enable uh, and be a small part in enabling, like we're not going to be doing it all ourselves, but creating that fertile kind of ground of employees who are interested and receptive to this, um, which is just going to be so critical. And that's, yes, that's the indirect impact that is way harder to measure. And I have realized in our current investment round, I need to find a way to measure it because that's actually where our bigger and more exciting impact will come, I believe. So the snowball effect is the ultimate goal that you're looking for. That's cool. That's uh, quite symbolic. Um, okay, you, you've, you've mentioned that the individual uh, actions uh, are, are the basics, but level up, looking at, there's our communities and the building of communities and the leveraging the power of communities is a part of your actually acquisition strategy and product strategy. And I know that's uh, that right now you're focusing on B2B, so working with um, work environments, work communities, but that's not how you started. You started initially with individuals, right? And what made you pivot into the into the B2B space? And how did, uh, what was the thinking al along the way? <laughs> Great question. Um, so I suppose I should give some, some context as to where we came from. Um, when I started Donation, I, I started it off the back of a big cycle ride that I did. I just graduated from the master's and I just cycled from London to Morocco with a friend. Uh, used that challenge as an opportunity to ask people to support this cause that we were so passionate about in climate and sustainability. Um, and we asked people to support us through, through action instead of cash. I was, um, I was uncomfortable asking people for money, which isn't a great foundation for running a business. Um, <laughs> but also realize that the environment needs people's action more than it needs their cash. And so people supported us by saying, right, you're cycling to Morocco, we can cycle to work. Or I'll go. we gave them a list of, I think, 15 actions they could pick from, whether it be switching energy supplier or planting a tree um, or turning their thermostat down. And yeah, that was a huge success. So when I came back, I applied for a load of grants and we got some grant funding to build this platform so that anyone could do the same thing. If they were running a marathon or uh, taking part in a triathlon, we had someone climbing Mont Blanc, we had people using it as alternative wedding gift lists. The idea was any individual could create a campaign page on Donation where they could invite their friends and their family to make pledges to support them but no cash parted, just action. Um, now, 
you'll be able to see there's a challenge in that business model because we're not asking anyone for any money. <laughs> um, the idea was that, you know, the affiliate marketing that would come through it when, you know, if someone's pledging to switch energy supplier, we can make recommendations. And, but that requires huge scale to make it economically viable. Um, and, and there were grant funds out there. So that was great uh, and allowed us to get going. But, but our first, one of our first users um, he had got a place on the London Marathon and he so he was he was yeah, asking people to support him and his wife happened to be the sustainability manager at Innocent Drinks and she after his marathon came to us saying hey this is really cool could we use it at Innocent I was like oh my god this is this is huge this is really exciting and I was like yeah look here are some here are some 5k runs or marathons that your employees could go and do and ask their colleagues to support them she's like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. no that's that's way too much to ask our employees to run a marathon can't we just have officers like the, the different floors in fruit towers uh competing against each other to they can each other own page and they can just make pledges there and I was adamant that without that social hook of I'm doing something please support me it wouldn't work to me that that was a critical part in my thinking of of, of how the the community element worked really uh and so I turned them down um I was like no it won't work it won't work stubborn and then carried on and you know things are growing slowly and we got some great support from a marketing agency called added value who part of wpp and they were offering us some pro bono marketing support did a bunch of workshops um, with us and it was great and in doing that they were like can we can we maybe use this internally and just have different departments competing against each other without running any marathons i was like oh not this question again <laughs> but because they'd given so much support to me pro bono i kind of couldn't i couldn't say no to them so like, okay let's give this a go and it was amazing uh and within a week like we'd had 10 times the number of pledges that we'd broken our record you know it was like the impact that came from it and the excitement and um all the feedback I got from them around their workplace, it was buzzing around it. It's like, oh, okay, okay, this maybe I was wrong. <laughs> Swallowed my pride and went back to innocent with my tail between my legs. And it's like, so two years have passed, but uh <laughs> and thankfully they are a forgiving company and they did end up signing up around programs for six years with us. So yeah. Uh, and that is now the, our bread and butter. So yes, I I was slow to learn, <laughs> and the pivot wasn't wasn't super swift at first. But that was way back in 2012. Definitely learned that lesson now. So you pivoted pivoted more to the B2B space. Uh, I assume you were able to onboard more people simultaneously once you had a deal with with a specific uh, company. How exactly if they've got a thousand employees suddenly you've you've got the ability to engage a thousand people which someone running a marathon is probably going to reach about 20. that's yeah got it and what's what's important in user acquisition from the perspective of having such communities how to actually help yourself in in the process by engaging the community aspect Sorry, could, when you help help ourselves, is in donation or the individuals? No, I'm, I'm, I'm. What I have in mind is that community is like the the core part of 
uh, of your product and your idea. Now, in order to stimulate user growth, I wonder what kind of mechanism were useful to you to grow the number of uh, deals that you have and, and users and obviously impact eventually. Yeah, okay. So I think it's, um, I mean, within the workplace, well, we, so we still have that initial B2C version. So that's actually one key part um, that, that still exists. Anyone can go onto our platform and run a campaign as an individual for free. And that side is really powerful because it helps build a, a base of advocates. Um, we've actually every, well, Last year, we organized a big cycle from London to Glasgow for the climate conference. And we're doing it again this year. We had 175 people cycling last year. Um, everyone was raising support through pledges. We're doing it again this year from Wales to, to Westminster before Westminster hands the baton to, to Egypt for, for COP27. Um, next week. Um, and, and that side builds community in a, in a very physical, you know, we're, we're all sharing a challenge, cycling through the wind and rain uh, and raising pledges. And so that's, I would say that's, that's kind of the legacy of the B2C side, which acts as a large part as our marketing tool, to be honest. Um, we've got lots of people from our customer organizations joining and 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 other sustain lots of sustainability professionals we've got nearly 100 from across the space cycling with us which will be an amazing amazingly powerful and hopefully fulfilling event and then on the when when an organization signs up if they get you know say a thousand employees making pledges then those employees they're taking those actions often in their personal life they may go on and talk about uh, it, it people do like to talk about their actions people like to talk about the good things they're doing actually on average we see people have between six and seven conversations about their pledges um as a result of it so there is a kind of a word of mouth uh element that comes through employees move companies a lot of our customers come from people that said oh we ran this program at my last company i want to do it here um so there's a huge amount of yeah referrals from from users and from customers is our main growth at the moment but yeah i can imagine that's that. a question yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine that uh, having a company for over 10 years uh, taught you a lot and a couple of things that surprised you on the way we know some of them already the power of community itself uh, <laughs> and the need to pivot and experiment a little bit more was there something else that you would say you didn't expect when it comes to the donation pledges, working with communities, and you found extremely powerful and it's worth sharing with other founders also working with communities, for example? Well, I think I think it's, it, it, it probably repeats slightly what I said before, but it's it's the power of the workplace as a, as a community. Um, I think there are a lot of the, the key ingredients for, for a powerful change program within a workplace. We spend a lot of our time there. There's a clear kind of sense of accountability. Um, there's clear communication channels. It's alignment with peers. There's all of these key ingredients that, that help to normalize behaviors and, and get programs rolling. Um, so I think 
the power of workplaces it's it surprised me I'd never worked I I set this I'd work sorry (laughs) cut that sentence short too too quickly I hadn't worked in a large organization um I'd done a few short shorter jobs before setting up donation straight out of my master's so um that that surprised me in all honesty and then that's why we chose to focus on workplaces and that's a lesson that we learned after you know after a few years uh I should say because we've been going for so long the market really was very immature and barely even there when I started donation um and so we were just having to to try every opportunity that came our way and like chuck stuff at the wall seeing what would stick so the first few years when we were a team of two working in a drafty attic of an old converted church uh we were working with with we were running a schools pilot we were working with some charities there was a big bristol big green week we were we were partnering with to kind of a big public event we were trying to put propose we're putting proposals together to work with Unilever across five countries um, we were I think we've done a program with the Scottish government so it was like public sector schools or universities businesses like SMEs and enterprise customers and we're just trying it all I don't know how I look back and like how do we manage that <laughs> um and in a way that was important at that stage, I think that is what we needed to do because we needed to learn like, right, where is the market? Where is the demand? Where, where can the impact really be generated? The most impact be generated. Um, and then we learned that that was businesses and we started to focus our efforts there. Now, recently we got tempted back into as a team grew and we suddenly were a team of like more than 10 people I was like wow now suddenly the demand's growing and schools are asking to run a program again and we got given a grant to run a schools program and we started having some big public events wanting to use it and some charities and we were like yeah yeah we can't say no to these opportunities and and we were trying to grab them all and it nearly broke the team because whilst I had like I guess from where I was as the founder, I, I could see the link between them all and the similarities. Actually, for my team who are delivering on the work, uh, on the practical level, there are some pretty fundamental differences between the needs of each of those audiences, both in terms of pricing model and the type of support that they need and the kind of impact data and reporting that they need. Um, and it was just too much. And actually, when we had, we, we needed to focus um, when we knew that we had an audience that really worked, workplace employees, like workplace communities, that's what we should focus on. So it was hard. And we actually ended up having to turn down a follow on grant for the schools program because we're like, there's, there's such potential to work with schools. Don't get me wrong. It just, it requires a slightly different set and it's something it's slightly different a set of features and support and it's something we'd like to do when we're a bit more established in the future but right now we have to say you know what actually we're not gonna get distracted by that so saying no to opportunities that aren't in your core focus is so hard so hard i must say you have uh, a long history really of, of saying no to, to, to different people <laughs> 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 <Yes>. <laughs> oh, so yeah i'm not good at saying no i clearly just remember the times i <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much, Hermione, for sharing all your insights. We spoke about the behavior of individuals and how to how to shape them. 
Uh, we also uh, discussed communities and how they could be used to, to grow, uh, grow the business and improve uh, customer acquisition. And also the direct and indirect impact of uh, specifically what your product uh, and company does. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you both. And for you, for all listening, uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you want to stay up to date with Impact Startup Scene and hear directly from startup founders and investors, sign up for Ragnarsson Invest newsletter at ragnarsson.com ri or click the link in the description. Thank you.